for me, it was never, oh, I'm just giving things up to, to live a more environmentally friendly life. No, it was about pursuing the life that I could wake up every single day and feel good about and go to bed at night and feel good about and not have this pit in my stomach knowing that I'm doing things that I don't feel are, are right for the world. So I didn't feel doom and gloom. I, I mean, I get that sometimes. I, I feel hopeless sometimes, of course. But for the most part, I look at those problems and say, how can I turn these problems into the solution? How can I use these problems to have a deeper purpose and passion in life? Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. My conversation with Rob is about joy, responsibility, community, and values that you undoubtedly share. Rob Greenfield used to live like an average American. He saw the environmental problems we all see on headlines, but we all dismiss. But then he decided he could no longer abdicate the responsibility of how he affected others or our world. I consider him a role model. Nearly everyone I talk to describes what I do as a big deal, like I'm extreme. I'll grant that I'm far from the mainstream, because when I checked online, I produce about 10% the pollution of the average American. But it's not that big of a deal. The more that you do, the more that you'll find typical American behavior now is extreme compared to how we've lived for all of history. And that's not to say that we're more happy. How we live today with the pollution, with the plastic, with the opiates, all that, it's an aberration from how humans act. Rob finds joy, joy in living sustainably and responsibly toward others. He creates joy. He shares it with everyone. Get to know people like Rob. Watch his videos. See what you can do. Of course, do it in your style. You don't have to do it just like Rob. Do it how it works for you. I do it how it works for me. And as you listen to this episode, note how much he's already done to act sustainably. Many guests that I've had say, oh, I've already tapped out. I don't know what more that I could do. He's done more than almost anyone. Do you think that he'll therefore not be able to come up with a challenge? So listen and find out. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Rob Greenfield. Rob, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm very good. And I wanted to start this off with a little context that people who know me know that I, in the past couple of years, I've switched to almost no food packaging. I haven't flown in almost three years. I pick up trash every day. And a lot of people, when they ask me about it, they often ask me these similar questions over and over again. And I sometimes get impatient not because I don't want to help them or because I don't want to answer them, but a lot of times I get the same questions. It's like, what do you do with the toothpaste lid and stuff like that? And sometimes I'm a little less patient responding to them than I ought to be. Not because I don't want to help them, but it's so far, like once I've switched, I don't want to go back. And it's, it's hard for me to go back to that mindset of feeling guilty and feeling helpless. And 
Also, something that's happened is that in the process, I find more and more role models of people who have taken on the challenges that I have and are taking them on in bigger ways or, or have been doing it longer. So B. Johnson was one of my guests a little while ago, and she's one of them. Rob Greenfield is another. And I'm going to let Rob talk about some of the things that he's done, but I've looked to him as someone who's doing things that I want to do and making it easier for me. I don't know if it's challenging for him or if he's also found that the more that I change, the more that I want to keep changing. Anyway, that's the context. Rob, you're someone who's been, how long have you been at it and what sorts of things have been done, if you don't mind giving a little context from your side? Sure. Yeah. Well, I started in 2011. That's when I really woke up to what's going on in the world. You know, I started to watch a lot of documentaries, read a lot of books, do online research, and just started to realize that my life wasn't what I thought, that I was really destroying so much of what I love, people, animals, uh, just, um, you know, ecosystems as a whole. And that's when I decided, well, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I was 25 years old at the time, and I wanted to live a life that was in alignment with my beliefs, because my beliefs were always that I wanted to live on a, you know, a healthy earth. And I just didn't realize that I wasn't contributing to that. So I started to change my life. And, you know, I started with lots of small changes and some large medium changes, and some larger changes. And I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm sort of naturally kind of an extreme guy. So I, I always like to take things to the limit. So I kept on pushing myself and, you know, started to make big changes, like getting rid of my car completely. And, then I biked across the United States on a bamboo bike. And that's when I started to do uh, environmental activism. What happened was I started to feel like I was, you know, leading by example enough, you know, that I was capable of being an activist, a lead by example activist that could show a different way. So since, since then, 2013 was my big environmental adventure, my first one. And since then, that's what I've been doing is a lot of environmental activism and adventures to really just catch people's attention, inspire them, wake them up and uh, inspire positive change. So there's projects like Trash Me where I lived like the average American for a month and wore all the trash that I created to create a visual of how much garbage just one person creates. Diving into thousands of other projects, the food waste fiasco, which is where I dived into, I've dived into thousands of dumpsters across the United States to show how much perfectly good food is going to waste. And I lay it out in public parks to display. Um, I lived in a 50 square foot tiny house in San Diego. So I'm always just, you know, finding sort of extreme things, extreme ways to catch people's attention and, and inspire small changes within them. Well, first I want to check. You said 2011 is when you started paying attention and 2013 was when you started getting active. So did I draw you right that it was about two years of kind of processing and, and experimenting on a small scale before saying, this is really something I want to do? Well, two years of me changing myself first before becoming an activist. So I was immediately active. Once I realized the problems, I was immediately decided I was going to be a part of solutions and started to change my life. And that was on a personal level, just without not trying to change others, just trying to be consistent with your, live consistent with your beliefs yeah, and your values. That was really the main focus. I mean, at the time, like I'm always excited to share things. So I'm sure I was sharing with my friends, you know, things that I was learning, but you know, I really did focus more on just being the change first before I went out and, um, you know, really started to try to reach a lot of people. Now I want to 
put a frame around this. There's something that I say every now and then, which is that I, I use an analogy to minimalism. And I don't know who exactly fits that label, but I, I think generally it describes people who get rid of stuff. But when I think of minimalism, I think it's a misnomer because the people who get rid of their stuff, they may be getting rid of stuff, but the stuff isn't what they care about. What they really care about, as I see, when you read their stuff and talk to them, it's always about relationships and meaning and purpose and value, and that they're actually maximizing. So it's a funny label that it, it look at what they don't care about and gives them a label about it, but it's in the opposite direction of what they really care about. They're really maximizing joy and fun and relationships and purpose. And you're talking about what you do in terms of garbage and things, but I feel like you're enjoying, like I, I've watched a bunch of your videos and I look at you with like piles and piles of fresh fruits that you scavenged or from trees you planted. And I feel like it's really happy. Like, I feel like it's the opposite of what a lot of people think about acting on the environment. They think, oh, I'm gonna have to make do without straws. Poor me. I don't think you're wishing you had, like you're giving away stuff, right? I mean, in my pictures that you're living a life full of abundance and happiness and joy and friends and things like that. Yeah, and that's really what it is all about. I mean, everything that you give away or you give up, what happens is that doesn't create this void in your life of emptiness. What it does is it creates space for other more purposeful things to take that space. And so that's, you know, what people imagine giving when they think of giving up, they just think of, well, nothing else comes, but that's the opposite. Things flood in. And so for me, my goal when I set out was to live a happier and healthier life, to have a deeper purpose and to be more passionate about life and about existence. So for me, it was never like, oh, I'm just giving things up to, to live a more environmentally friendly life. No, it was about pursuing the life that I could wake up every single day and feel good about and go to bed at night and feel good about and not have this pit in my stomach knowing that I'm doing things that I don't feel are, are right for the world. So that's what it's really about. I really, I've always been one that naturally focuses on the positives. And so that's why when I learned the problems that exist in the world, which are countless, there's so many, I didn't feel doom and gloom. I, I mean, I get that sometimes. I, I feel hopeless sometimes, of course. But for the most part, I look at those problems and say, how can I turn these problems into the solution? How can I use these problems to have a deeper purpose and passion in life? How can I use the problems that currently exist to play my role in, in solving them and making the world a better place? So it's all a part of uh, living a fulfilling life. Do you remember what it was like beforehand? Because I definitely feel like I enjoy if you take food, for example, I eat so much more delicious now than ever before. And before, I didn't think that I was eating. Now I look back at, like, I used to like Thai food and I liked, and I liked Mexican food. And I would think of Thai restaurants and Mexican restaurants as very, very different. But now that I cook from fresh all the time, I feel like if you take some vegetables and cover it up with coconut milk, or you take some vegetables and you cover it up with cheese, you're still turning it into, like, you're still covering it up and just having comfort food. And now it's so much better. And sometimes I try to think, what would have gotten through to me then that I wish I'd gotten earlier? Because everyone I know who goes this direction wishes they'd started earlier. No one wants to go back. 
everyone feels like their eyes are more open. Yeah, I, I don't know. I definitely feel the same way. And it's not something that, I mean, the reality is that before living this way, I did, I definitely enjoyed life. I have generally enjoyed life for quite a long time. So, you know, for me, it wasn't like I had to seek out a new way of life because I was unfulfilled and unhappy. It was really just that I, w- I realized, wow, this fulfilling and pretty happy life that I'm living is causing unhappiness around the world for people, for other species. Like this convenient life that I'm living is destroying a way of life for other people in other cultures and other species. And so for me, it was like, okay, it's just as simple as I can't keep doing this, but I'm not going to stop enjoying life. Like I'm not going to sacrifice the life that I have. So I have to turn this around and figure out how can I have a fulfilling life? How can I have a really, you know, purposeful life? How can I meet my needs and my desires, but do it in a way that doesn't harm other people? So, and the good news is that the reality is that you really realize that you can't, not only you can do all of that, but you can actually live a better life because it turns out so much of what we, you know, so much of what I was doing in the past, I was doing it because corporations sold me on the idea that I needed it. Like, Old Spice deodorant is something that I used to use and I thought I needed it and it brought me, you know, some sense of, you know, belonging, you know, it's part of mainstream culture with their, all their commercials. But I realized actually this corporation is not beneficial for the world. It's actually destructive as were most of the corporations that were getting my money. But the alternatives, it, it's not that I was missing out. Like coconut oil is something that I use as you know, as a natural body oil and deodorant, and I love it. I love it way more than I ever loved uh, Old Spice. So it's like, and it's like everything has its impact. But coconut oil, I consider, you know, basic oil is a it's a basic human thing. And so, yeah, I love it more, and I feel good about it. And that's the thing is, when I know something, like I understand it. You'll never understand Old Spice deodorant, what's really in there, because usually that's hidden. But the coconut oil, like, and I'm actually making my own coconut oil now, I really understand that. I feel a much deeper connection to it. It's really a part of me. And so it's just a whole nother level of, of being compared to that consumeristic way of just ultimately being doing what you do because corporations have done a really good job at getting you to do it. Yeah, it's funny that, yeah, when I was a kid, Bottled water was viewed, everyone viewed bottled water as some weird European thing that like, why would anyone do that? And now they think that it's safer and men have the marketers won on that one. Wow. They t- I mean, the marketers did, by their standards, a great job. And it's, it's funny that it's not obvious. I also had this thing that I didn't change because I wanted to improve my life at the beginning. I changed because I could no longer look only at the consequences of my actions that I wanted. I had to consider all of them. And to take an airplane flying, yeah, I like to visit other places, but I could no longer deny that there's exhaust coming out of that plane. And I'm doing all the, I'm contributing way more than my share for all these things. And looking back now, I feel like I talked to a lot of parents and they're always saying, well, I can't do this because my kids, I'm like, 
the changes that you made to your life when you had a kid are so much greater than the changes that I've made. I've never had to change it. I've never gotten poop on me, but I know if you've changed a diaper, like you've had to deal with that. And I feel like that's a much bigger change. And I've never met a parent who regretted having a kid. Maybe they exist, but I've never met one. They seem like overjoyed. I'm like, that's change. It's about responsibility. It's, and, but there's a funny thing that you mentioned that just because I stop polluting or stop or reduce polluting, that doesn't necessarily mean that what I replace it with is going to be better. And I think most people are, they're in a system that says travel is good. Uh, there's no, there's absolutely no second consideration for it. And disposable is like, well, you know, if you recycle, it's no problem. And I think people think in that system, if I stop doing things that I like, there's nothing to replace it, but there's another system. And this other system is, it's not just the, the joy that you get is so much more deeply rewarding. I think it connects not with just like one of the big things in marketing is saying like your life could be better. It's not that good you've got problems. I guess you're, you smell bad. People are not going to like you because you smell. And so you get something, so it makes the smell go away or covers it up or something like that. And so it's like telling you you have a problem and saying we can fix it for you. But this other system of fresh fruits and vegetables and spending time with friends, and that's just like, I don't know about you, but the, the, the reward is so much more, the emotional reward is so much more deep and resonant Years ago when I was out clubbing, like I live in Manhattan, so I used to go out clubbing. I knew the DJs and they're all, we were behind the DJ booth with all these world famous people and stuff. And if someone told me then, Josh, a few years from now, you're going to get more, you're going to like more sticking your hand in the dirt and picking a potato out of the ground from a, a farmer in, in, on a farm with a farmer that you know, you're going to like that more than what you're doing now. I would have been like, no way. But I wish now I had been, picking potatoes out of the ground. And potatoes aren't even my favorite vegetables. I mean, if I walked over to the kale or the collard greens or the fruit like the or the cherry tomatoes, oh my God. And with the not flying, if someone told me that I would, like how, what sailing would feel like, which I'm learning to sail because I want to get places off of North America without flying or meeting people that I wouldn't have met otherwise that are in my neighborhood because they're just as different as people around the world. I would never have guessed it, but it's so much more, I don't want to keep saying the same thing over and over again, but like, I really like this better. It's not obvious that that would have happened. And I think a lot of people don't realize that not doing, not polluting doesn't mean, only from one perspective does that mean you're giving something up. From another perspective, it's all this opportunity for growth. And and those things are things that I think generally tend to be like what we evolved to really enjoy and love and make us make life fulfilling and so forth. Absolutely. I got to say that the probably the most challenging thing for me is the flying aspect because it seems like most things in life, there's an alternative that's fairly easy to switch to that, you know, drastically reduces your environmental impact, but still allows you to do that thing you need to do. And flying is a whole different story. I mean, if you want to go to Asia, for example, to not fly there and yet get there, it's a huge difference. And one that ultimately, like most people don't have the time. Well, most people don't live the life where they, where they can just say, well, I want to go to Asia, but I can't fly. So I'm going to take a boat and overland all the way over to Asia. I could do that. But mo- you know, most people are in a different scenario from that. But um, 
I mean, that's, that's the challenging one for me with speaking and, uh, you know, trying to have the positive change that I want. I see flying as a, a helpful tool, but I'm also like you, you know, I haven't done as, I think it's been a year since I've flown, which is for me a while, but that's really the most difficult one is, uh, this idea of, of not flying. I, I've not taken that leap. I, I've taken a lot of responsibility for flying, but I have not taken that leap of not flying. Well, you've ridden your bike across the country at least once. Three times. Three times. So that's, I feel like you've done a lot there because I haven't, the last big bike ride I did was decades ago and it was Philadelphia to Maine and back. And I'm itching to do something like that again. Yeah. That was a vacation though. The, yeah, yeah the not flying is, uh, I've just found the more that I go without flying, the more that I like not flying. The more that I like the life, the more that it's to me like, um, slow food versus fast food. Mm-hmm. And it's just, the, the slow food is just more rewarding in, in much more than just the flavor. Of course, it's faster to get takeout, but I, I view that sort of like when I'm sitting with my nieces and nephews and reading them a book, reading the book faster is not the point. Like I could finish the book faster and then be done. But the point is to spend time with them. It It feels like that to me. Like, why would I want to read the book faster if, if the point is to spend time with them? I agree. And the thing about flying is, yeah, I mean, maybe it means you're not going to go to Europe this summer, but maybe it means you can take a train, you know, Amtrak trip up to Yellowstone or Yosemite National Park. And that's one of the most amazing places on earth. You know, for any of us that live in the United States, the reality is that we can easily travel the United States for our entire lives and not see even a fraction of everything there is to see. And we would still see more than what almost everyone in, in, since the dawn of history has ever seen at all, because most people never went more than, I don't know, 20 miles from their home for most of their lives. I, I don't really know the statistic there, if there's one. But we certainly can see a lot more than most people ever have. Yeah, and that's a really important thing, is everything, for me, when it comes to sustainable living, everything is about a matter of perspective. And I try to zoom that perspective out as far back as possible from any narrative that is a mainstream narrative and just get back to the absolute basics. So for example, like when we think about life expectancy, well, today, you know, the average human lives to be about 80 years old. So most of us say, well, I'm going to live to be 80 years old because that's what's the life expectancy. But one of the ways that I look at it is for 99% of the human experience, actually more than 99%, 40 was old. I mean, it's only a couple hundred years ago that, the, that becoming 40 years old was a long, successful life. So when I look at it that way, I don't bind myself by time and place with my perspective. I like to make my perspective more timeless and placeless. And so because of that, I don't need to live to be 80 to have a successful life. And I'm 32 years old now. If I live to be 40, that will, in, in, from that perspective, be a long and successful life, longer and, and more, having more experience than most human beings that ever existed on this planet. And so... That's for me, like one of the most important things to having a happy, healthy life is to always look from that greater perspective. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, that 
one of the reasons people like to travel and a lot of what the system, I don't know, I don't know if I'm saying this too glibly, but the system that people are in, they, they talk about how they want to explore the world and expand their minds and get broaden the horizons and things. And you're speaking about a more broad horizon than I think they get from their traveling. A lot of people, what they get is like, how do I put it? They go to some place and they go to the touristy things. Even if they don't go to the touristy things, they're still meeting people that like communicate on Facebook. It's like a kind of Facebook a curated experience that, yeah, they'll see something slightly different, but not that different. The kind of stuff that you're doing is really much more broadening your horizons. And the type of change in perspective that you're describing is much, to my view, is, is greater and more meaningful than what you get from, you know, like a, a one-week trip to Machu Picchu. Like, yeah, you'll seed something. I agree with that. You know, one-week trip to Machu Picchu is a whole different story. However, a backpacking trip with all of your possessions on your backpack and, a, and on an extreme budget around the world, now that, and not just going from backpacker hostel to backpacker hostel, but like really getting off the beaten path where you don't, no one else speaks your language and you don't understand the culture. And if you can immerse like that, now that is part of the equation of what got me to where I am today with being able to zoom out because I have seen so many different perspectives and you know so many different ways of existence within the human race. So I agree, but I think like quality, immersive travel can be one of the most important tools to opening our minds. But again, the good news is we can do that without flying. You can travel the whole world without flying. And, and even in the United States alone, any major city you can expose yourself to so many different cultures. Like in Minneapolis, for example, has the largest population of Somalians and Ethiopians, I think in the world outside of Somalia and Ethiopia. So you can, and, and a lot of those people just moved there. So you can go there and you can immerse in their culture. And that's just one example of, you know, how to immerse in, a, in other cultures because they've brought their world to you, to your back door practically. Yeah, I guess you 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 caught on it on something I, I misstated. It's not travel; it's polluting. If you travel without polluting, you end up traveling in the way that you described. Um, it's not the only way to do it, but you end up meeting people and depending on people. And it's uh, yeah. So I'm a big fan of travel. I'm just also a big fan of taking responsibility and not hurting people in the process or acting like you're and acting like you're not. Yeah. So like so, slow travel basically is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like people get really transformed. Because I, I think a lot of the stuff that you see with the not slow travel, coining a term, if, if, if we're coining a term here, if it's, it doesn't already exist, you know, there's all these studies that show that people who, on, people who use social media a ton feel a lot of anxiety because they're, you know, you get these profiles of people who aren't really that happy, but they post these amazing pictures of all these amazing things. They don't actually, it doesn't really represent their life that well. And they're all out doing each other and they're all, and so I think a lot of people, like they travel someplace and they'll see these amazing, I don't know, you see the Eiffel Tower and you see Montmartre and see some beautiful things, but it's, they're not really getting into it. They're just getting a curated, not a curated is not the right word because you curate museum things and that's really awesome. But it's like, they're just kind of following their noses with what the, what people, people who 
find a way to profit off of getting you to do stuff. You just kind of follow what they say. And I don't want to sound conspiracy-like. It's just, there's a, looking back, it just, it just felt like I was chasing something, chasing what other people were putting forward for me to chase. It it was craving. Like it was someone come back from someplace and say, oh, you got to try the food and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I got to go there. What are you up to now? Because I think that you're, you're always, not always, but you're often doing something that's, that's, it sounds like partly challenging yourself, partly showing people what's possible. And yeah, it made me, when I read about it, it made me think about how I'd like to, there's a few fruit trees in Manhattan and in New Jersey. And I, I've found places where I can scavenge really good fruit. And it's amazing because like it's in the middle of everything and I know where to get this stuff and it's delicious. And you're in Orlando? Yes, Orlando, Florida. And you've been planting trees. You've been working with people to, what are you doing now? Yeah, so actually I'm just at my one year anniversary of living in Orlando, which actually means it has been one year since I flew because that's the last time I flew. I got here from Europe. So basically I'm spending two years in Orlando and my I have a couple of different projects going on. This spring I started a program called Community Fruit Trees and we've planted 110 community fruit trees so far. And what a community fruit tree is, is it's just a fruit tree that we plant in a public place. Could be someone's front yard along the sidewalk a schoolyard, a churchyard, a business, uh, the median between the street and the sidewalk, somewhere that anybody can access it. And then it's uh, free fruit for you know anyone to enjoy. And the idea is to make, you know, to get past this idea that food has to be monetized and that food can be freely growing, growing all around us and can be a community resource. So uh, community fruit trees. I also started the free seed project and we send out free seed packets to people across the country to help them grow their own food. It's basically like an organic garden starter kit with 20 different seed packs of greens, herbs. And we've, we've sent those to people in all 50 states now. And then I also started Gardens for Single Moms, which is where we build gardens for single parent families. So all of these to you know help people to grow their own organic, healthy food, and get people started. And then all that is a part of my bigger project, which is food freedom, which is where for one year I'm growing and foraging 100% of my food. And the idea of it is to inspire people not to grow 100% of their food, but to think about where their food comes from, to connect with their food, to start growing a little bit of their own. And I, you know, I like to do extreme things that really catch people's attention and, and inspire them to take, you know, to take some steps. And so, yeah, that started on November 11th. So today's, today's about 36-ish of growing and foraging 100% of my food. So, yeah, this is like what I, it's, it's so full and rich of stuff. Like what would, I, I'm trying to think of like what would be more rewarding than to get people growing stuff all across the country that weren't going to before. And people, presumably if they're listening to the Leadership in the Environment podcast, leadership is important to them and you're leading. And it seems it's, because you're in an area of, I think, global demand. I think everybody wants cleaner water, skies, land. Everybody wants more delicious vegetables and things. And what's the response you're getting? Are you bringing, are, do people tell you afterward about what they're growing or maybe you meet the people who's with the tree. I don't know if the trees have been growing long enough to, for people to get food from them. Yeah. Well, 
it's it's been great so far the you know the response from people in the community has been really nice yeah the fruit trees aren't fruiting yet because it's only been what most of them are only eight months old or so and so they'll start fruiting uh maybe while i'm still in orlando i'll get to see some of the fruit trees fruiting but the reality is is that i will not personally eat the fruit from almost any of those trees and that's really you know what it's about doing things that are uh, making the community a better place, whether we benefit from it or not. Of course, I benefited from it because I love planting fruit trees and I love helping other people. But a fruit tree is definitely a long-term investment because that thing can be around for decades, really. It can be around for even a couple generations producing fruit. So fruit trees are amazing in that regard. But yeah, the response has been really great in in the neighborhood. My my personal garden has fed dozens of people in the community and I've helped, um, I teach free garden classes and I've had meh, at least 150 people at my garden classes and I send them home with seeds and plants. And yeah, definitely people share messages with me of their, their meals that they're making from food that they grew for the first time. And so it's been, it's been really rewarding and, and um, inspiring to see it actually working, to see people, you know, taking the lead and, and going and, and uh, taking that step of growing some of their own. I have to highlight that a man who is choosing not to buy food is giving away lots of food. It's, it's not that surprising to me anymore that that would happen because I've seen the documentaries like Just Eat It and things like that, where people are like, when you look at how much food there is around us, why, how does it end up that you're giving away food when you're not buying food even though people feel like like food is a big expense for a lot of people, for me, certainly, for everyone. Well, that's one of the most special things about becoming a gardener is that food is abundant. I mean, it is amazing how abundant food has been in my gardens. It's just more food than I can possibly handle. And it's just, yeah, that's just every experienced gardener that has figured it out and knows what they're doing has an abundance to share. And that has been what I've seen just through and through. And, you know, the reality is, is that we, if we all started to grow some of our own food, we could be producing, I think, a vast majority of all of our fruits and vegetables locally, you know, for all American citizens. It's truly, it's not a miracle because, you know, humans have been eating food for tens of thousands of years. But because we're so disconnected from our food system, we're so disconnected from food, it seems like a miracle uh-huh. that food just grows. It just grows. It's as simple as that. You, you put seeds. I had a guy share two pumpkins with me, my friend Terry. And from the seeds, from those two pumpkins, I produced 169 pumpkins. Man, did you even water it or did you, did it, was it just rain? That was, well, I did water those, you know, I gave them care, but, you know, on unused lawns, you know, area that was going completely unused before and, you know, able to produce that sort of sustenance. And I still have 60 of them sitting on the shelf right next to me that I'm looking at right now. And so they've provided a huge amount of abundance for me. And, and, you know, that 169 pumpkins if I did the same thing and I put the energy, I could turn that 169 pumpkins now into over 10,000 pumpkins if I wanted to. And that's just the true power 
of seeds. They just, they're much more powerful than money because abundance can be created very quickly with them. Man, I can't, it's I just got back from a month away. And before I left my windowsill, I had some basil and some salad greens, the fruit stuff I, I took to my mom's to take there. And I had a big feast before I left because I wanted to, I knew that I wasn't gonna be able to water them when I was gone. So I figure might as well eat them. And, you know, so the basil was like really delicious and it was all really delicious. And when I came back, I was just, there's like a few, a little bit of green left, a month of no watering and whatever was, and I just started, I was like through watering it and they're, they're growing again. I mean, I guess you just need the roots to stay there. And it's really fascinating. Now I got to put some habaneros in there because I want to get some, well, anyway, actually in my experience, it took me a long time to start planting stuff because I thought I needed to know more than I did. And I wish I'd talked to you earlier because it was just a matter of putting seeds in dirt and I didn't even have proper containers at first. And the only reason I have containers now is that neighbors are getting rid of them. Otherwise, I'd still be using cups and, you know, yogurt container things, which work fine. But I mean, I'll take the free stuff that people are getting rid of. And it's easy. It's, it's really fun. It's, there's something, something about seeing those first green things. Now I, I'm an, I sound like an inexperienced gardener, but whatever, that's what I am. Just seeing those first green things pop up and you're like, ah, it's going to come. And then it gets bigger. And yeah, I hope within a few years to make what I say now sound naive and like barely getting started because it's as easy as it is to get started. I really want to keep growing and learning. Well, that's where I was really just a year ago. I mean, I, I was fairly knowledgeable, but very minimally practiced in growing food. And so just a year ago, I didn't know how much sun does a plant need? How much water does it need? When do you plant? Like all of these basic things. And by immersing myself in it, I went from really not knowing a lot of those basics to now growing and foraging 100% of my food. So, you know, it takes some time, but at the same time, the reality is you follow the basics, you talk to the locals, people who have been growing food in your area for already, and you listen to their advice and, and the plants grow. And, and it is, it's, it's truly amazing how they just, they just grow and they just produce a whole abundance of food. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Yeah, what you say reminds me of something that it's gotten me in trouble a couple of times. I hope I don't say it too, um, too much in a way that gets me in trouble, but some friend sent me a, a link to some friend of his who was, he was like, Hey, check out this ecotourism stuff. And I look at the pictures and they're, I don't quite get the concept of ecotourism because you're flying. This is like flying people down to the Amazon and showing, I don't know how else to describe it. A bunch of overweight, obese Midwesterners on an, a boat in the middle of the Amazon somewhere. And I have a feeling that that's going to result in a bunch of cafes popping up on the side of the Amazon because people are going to realize that they can get money from the tourists. And I don't know what they're getting out of it. I could read what they wrote on the site about, oh, this was such a great experience. I learned about the world. And then I thought about what I got out of planting a few herbs and fruit trees on my windowsill. And I felt like I got, I looked at what they wrote and I felt what I felt. And I felt like what I got was 
at least the equal of what they got. But I was growing something and I wasn't leading to, and it sounds like what you got is like my stuff is small potatoes because I didn't grow hundreds of, of squashes. And I guess some people might say, well, yeah, well, I want to do more important stuff than grow vegetables, but it's really rewarding. And it's not a 24 seven thing. It's like a, for me, I mean, I water them once a day, it's not a big deal. And if I miss a couple of days, it's not a big deal too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what you said about ecotourism, the reality is, is almost anything that's labeled eco is not. <laughs> if you have to label it eco, then it probably isn't. There are plenty of environmentally friendly things out there, but if it's being sold, then the reality is that a vast majority of the times it's, it's just not, it's, you know, there's so much greenwashing going on out there. Yeah. Trader Joe's, everything they have says the word recycle on it somewhere. Not everything, but a lot of it. I think, and like their whole business model is packaging stuff. And I feel like a lot of people walk out of the store feeling like, oh, I'm so good for the environment. When it's just the word recycle is shown everywhere and they feel like they're not noticing what they're, they're not, I feel like the, at the root of a lot of it is taking responsibility. And when I was a kid, I didn't like, I didn't like to take responsibility, but as I've grown older, I've liked taking responsibility. And as much as I don't get to do some things I used to like to do, and I have to do some things that I didn't like to do, like having a kid, being responsible is, I find it improves your life. It's, it's more mature than just pure fun, which is not to say there's not a lot of fun in it. Yeah. Responsibility is not a sexy word, but in reality, that's what it all comes down to. It's being responsible for our actions. Like that's, that to me is what it all comes down to being deeply responsible for our lives. Yeah. And it's a really rewarding feeling. You know, something I do on this podcast, I'm not sure if you've gotten to listen to any episodes, but one of the things I like to do is I ask guests based on their environmental values, which I think you've shared a bunch, is to, at their option, I invite them to do something that they've been thinking about, or maybe, or maybe with me, come up with something that to, to do something on their values and come on a second time after they've had a chance to, to do it for a little while to share their experience. It's funny because the people who do the most usually have, actually, it's a mix. Sometimes I was about to say the people who have done the most, sometimes it's hardest for them because there's no low-hanging fruit left and some of the bigger things are, are more challenging. But also some of the people who do the most also are the best at finding new things to do. But I wonder if you'd be willing to do something that you're not already doing as if you're not already doing plenty. And but it doesn't have to be, you know, fix all the world's problems overnight, but it has to be something, and it can't be something like education or awareness. It has to be something measurable and something you're not already doing. But I wonder if you'd be interested in doing something you haven't already done and sharing how it goes. The main thing that I am working on that I haven't done yet is I have a goal of switching over to 100% natural clothes as in no synthetics, no plastic, you know, most, most of my clothes are plastic and switching over mostly to hemp, ideally, but all natural fibers where the clothes are completely biodegradable. If I accidentally left one in the woods, it would over time just degrade into soil. So that's something I've wanted to do for years and that I am working on. And that's really like for me right now, the only personal change when it comes to environmental actions that I'm, that I really am needing to focus on and that comes to mind. Well, it resonates with me because my winter coat, when I found it, it's, it's not all hemp, but there's a lot of hemp in it. 
And when I found it, I was like, oh, I was so glad to find something. I didn't even think about it until I found it. And I wonder if we can make a smart goal. If you want to make it the change for your whole life, maybe there's some small version of it you could do in a shorter period of time to kind of get your feet wet. Well, I have gotten my feet wet some because I switched over all my my t-shirts and long sleeve shirts at least. So now it's just like pants, jacket. Underwear. Underwear. Yep. I got some synthetic underwear for sure, which are quite comfy. That's <laughs> the plastic clothes. They, they are convenient. I guess I could I could have a goal of in two months having at least say seventy five percent of my clothing by weight be natural fibers. And is that is that achievable? Is that yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, achievable. It's just a matter of doing it. Okay. And would this be getting in your way or would this be an opportunity to do something you've been meaning to do for a while? It's on my list of things that I need to do. So it wouldn't be getting in the way. Okay, cool. Then after we hang up, then uh, if it's cool, then we could interrupt for it. Then we'll schedule a second conversation to hear how it went. Sure. Yeah. Let's say my goal will be to do it by, so two months would be January 20th, February 20th. March 1st will be the goal. Okay, so we'll shoot for March 1st. Oh, it's really cool because it's, uh, you know, I, I interviewed someone and uh, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to sound. Because I got to, you know, one of the things about leadership is you got to work with people where they are. And she's like, I said, would you be interested in taking on a challenge? She's like, no, no, no. We've, we've already done everything we possibly can. All our cars are electric. And I was like, you know, and besides, I'm about to fly away on a vacation. And I was like, I guess if you feel that you've done everything you can, I'm not going to, I haven't, I, had, I just haven't found it helpful to point out in the moment how people could see things differently. But I do want to point out talking to you that I think a lot of people would say, well, Rob's doing, he's doing stuff like most people aren't going to get that far in their lifetimes. And you're like, I got something that you got plenty that you can do more. Yeah. Cause I, you said something that I think, or maybe I said it that, uh, if I change a little thing to meet my values and it makes my life better a little bit, I've gotten to the point where I figure that if I change a bigger thing, it'll make my life better in a bigger way. And I look forward to these things, not away from them, which is part of the reason I wanted to talk to you because you've been a role model and I want to come up with other things. Sounds great. And not come up with other things, find other things that I wasn't, that I wasn't seeing already. Yeah. And now I want to make a bigger garden. That's a good one. All right. Uh, when we check in, well, you're, you're, in, where, are you in New York? Yeah, Manhattan. Okay. So when we check in in March, it won't have been time to have made a bigger garden yet. So we'll have to check in on that in the summer. Well, I, I will have planted the things. I mean, I will, I, I have to figure out what I'm going to do, put in because like, I definitely want to put in the habaneros and the jalapenos. I got to put some fruit things in because the basil, the reason I had to feast just before I left was that I can't eat it. I feel like I planted it. I, I care for it. So fruit is like the plant is like, eat this. Yeah. Whereas basil, you're like, the plant's going to be dead. Well, it's going to be eaten. Well, on that note, speaking of basil and food, there's a big storm coming. I got to get out to the garden and harvest uh, myself a lunch before I get soaking wet again for the second time today. All right. Well, we'll be talking again in a little over two months. And uh, any, anything I didn't think to ask to, to bring up, where can people find you? Um, just my website is just robgreenfield.org. And then on social media, uh, I use Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube primarily. And if you just type in Rob Greenfield, you'll find me on there. But it's 
uh, Rob J Greenfield on Instagram. That's my actual handle. So that's where to follow along and to, to get inspired and join in on the journey. Yeah. We'll put, I'll put links on so people can find it easily also. And I'm look, I'll be frank. A lot of things you're doing, I'm not going to do, but that you do that, that they're doable and that they're easy to do makes me, enables me to do things that I was meaning to do. So I recommend people watch all of them. You know, I don't, I don't know if I've watched everything, but watch a lot and you'll find things in your life that you can change and do that were always there, but you didn't notice them. So I highly recommend following through on these links and checking out what Rob does. Lots of good stuff on there. Rob Geerdfield, thank you very much. I'll talk to you again in a couple months. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Rob is not buying food, yet he has it in so much abundance that he gives it away. He lives in abundance. What makes his life seem impossible is a statement about how much we bought into what corporations tell us. Don't believe it. I recommend trying one or two things that Rob started with. You know, some of the early things, not necessarily what he's doing now yet. Take it in your direction. Do what works for you. Plant some seeds, water them, see what happens. It's pretty rewarding. And then next thing you know, you'll find yourself polluting a lot less than the average American, and your life will be full of more joy, more discovery, more reward than you ever expected. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.